There's, there was a saying that went around when I was a student and was studying that anything more than a pass is a waste of time. And while that might raise some smiles for others, anyone apart from those that are living in academia, um, imagine if that mantra was to be carried across to housemates, to co-workers or a partner. Imagine if we held that mantra in other areas of our life. Perhaps you've been in a one-sided relationship or had to carry the slack of a work colleague. You know the difference that a mutual sense of ownership can create. But have we ever stopped to consider how you contribute to the well-being of others and what you believe in and what you contribute to, what is important for you to invest in? Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time to, to delve into your word again, I ask that you would continue to speak to us that as you have been with us throughout the moments of today, that Holy Spirit, you would brood over us wherever you have placed us today. And that through the indwelling of your Spirit, that you would speak to us and to reveal your truths to us and how we can live our lives well as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, today we wrap up our uh, Welcome Home series as we've looked at the place that you call home, the place that we call home, and how important that is. We've also looked at Northern and observed the similarities between a person's home and what makes it welcoming, what makes it healthy, and what makes a good spiritual home as well. One of the things that many parents recognise is the importance of teaching children to do chores around the home. Children um, doing chores is recognised to help them to learn life skills. Mary's sister, my wife Mary, um, her sister Joy wanted to teach her eldest boy Luke to be responsible and some of what was involved in running the home. And so at the age of 10, Luke was sent in with the gross, to the grocery store with a shopping list and he did the grocery shopping for the whole family while Joy waited out the front of the grocery store until he'd been able to go through, collect all the items, pay for it and come out. Chores help children to learn responsibility and confidence. It can help them with planning and time management. It can help them to learn respect and to value what others do around the house. It can teach children the value of money. It can teach children also the importance of self-esteem. I remember talking to one parent who had their children do some chores that did not earn any pocket money whatsoever, while other chores had a financial incentive attached to it. Their thinking was that each member of the family had to contribute in some way and not everyone got paid. Parents didn't get paid for the work that they did around the home. And so it was appropriate that they were to also contribute and not get paid for some chores. But other actions had a financial reward to them and helped them get an understanding of what it meant to be employed and in a financial situation and to get um, a reward for their labour. 
It was interesting to read and, and hear about a recent report that on average in Australia, girls get uh, or receive a dollar less per week in pocket money than boys. And for those kids in Victoria, well, you top the list for the best paid children in Australia when it comes to pocket money, while the worst paid are our neighbours in South Australia. Now, before I talk about household chores for adults, I need to acknowledge that I personally suck at this. I'm not great. Mary unfairly does the majority of work around the house, which is not right or fair. So please don't hear or get duped into thinking, uh, into believing that I'm a great example in this. But the reality is that jobs around the house, the good, the bad and the ugly, should be shared. But it's also um, helpful to work towards people's strengths and encourage and um, reduce the areas of weakness in a person's life. So if someone's better at finances, then it's okay to play to those strengths. If someone's better at handiwork or repairs, then celebrate those strengths as well. But also help those who don't know how to cook to learn. I'm a much better cook because of being married to Mary. And Mary has been known to don on a tool belt and to help renovate a house or three. Negotiating responsibilities is important. For those sharing a house or moving into a house, into a shared house arrangement uh, for the first time, then it's actually interesting that the New South Wales Family and Community Services area have produced a brilliant document called Share It, preparing young people to share houses, um, housing successfully. And it's designed to help people to be able to share a house together, to be able to negotiate the different areas of responsibility when it comes to rent, to having guests over, to paying bills, chores around the home, um, and what to do in those situations. You see, the reality is that whether it's a home or a workplace, just doing enough to get by not only can adversely impact your home life, but it can also negatively impact your relationships too. Like any one-sided relationship, it can say, hey, I don't value you. You're giving 100%, but I'm only giving 51%. And that's not fair. For children, teaching them to invest time and energy into the home helps them to value it. From the chores around the home, to turning up on time for dinner. Investing in a home through personal contribution tells those who live there that you value them. And you also model to them that you want to contribute to what should be a good, a caring place where everyone can feel valued and have a sense of belonging. Chores in the home help to build teamwork and provides members of the home an opportunity to bond when they work together and invest time together, and time and energy together for the common good. It's interesting to note that when you invite people, not just to perform a task, but to be involved in how things get done, their level of investment increases. And while there are ex exceptions to the rule, have you ever noticed 
that when you invest your time and energy into something, your care and concern for the outcome often increases as well. For some of you, you've been involved to help create with others. When you invest together, not only can it help to bring about a great outcome, but it can also help you to connect, to bond together with others. And ultimately, isn't that one of the best outcomes of people investing and working together? It creates a great outcome where you forge strong relationships within your family, with friends, and in your workplace. And for Northern, it's no different. For us as a spiritual home, we want to encourage people not to be just passing guests, but to be valued contributors who share in the outcomes and forge strong relationships together. Consider those caught on camera when we prepared 81 High Street to become our new church home, where people invested sweat and probably some tears and blood as well to achieve something special. There is something about valuing, the valuing of investing together that forges strong bonds of friendship. Bonds of friendship that can stand the test of time, that can transcend distance and absence and, and people can pick up from where they left off. The, the remembering of whens breathe warmth into conversations over coffee and cake with smiles and knowledge of tough and good times shared together. When you invest together through thick and thin, it does something. It changes something in you. Those changes don't come from just standing on the sidelines as a casual observer or an occasional listener. Sure, you might get nudged in a, a little direction a little bit of the time. And sure, there can be some sentimental value as well. But true investment changes things. It changes you, but more than that, it also changes us. Jesus called his disciples to invest. There's an account in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. And if you've got a Bible handy, I encourage you to grab it, to switch it on, or to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. In this situation, news had just reached Jesus that the depraved Herod Antipas had just murdered his cousin John the Baptizer. You see, John had dared to confront Herod over his inappropriate relationship with um, Herodias. John's head was literally served up on a platter as some sick trophy. So on hearing the news of his cousin's murder, Jesus goes for some fresh air to clear his mind, taking the disciples with him. They head off in a boat to a remote location, in an area to be alone. Jesus wasn't the only one feeling spent. Some of Jesus' disciples, who were previously followers of John as well, the pain and the anguish for them gripped deeply on their souls. 
But such was the magnetic pull of Jesus that no sooner had people heard of the direction that Jesus and the disciples were heading in in the boat, but they ran on foot, they raced to get there to see Jesus as well. Scrambling over rocks, uh, weaving through grass and fields, the crowds overtake the boat, bringing the sickly and the weak to hear from Jesus and to get a healing from Jesus. This remote place suddenly became crowded with people. Jesus, on seeing the crowds and seeing the need, was moved. Moved with compassion. Even with a broken heart, there was still compassion for the crowd. And as Jesus spent time, and as people just kept on coming, time passed. And ministry continued, and now it was getting late. If people were to get something to eat, they had to leave now. Jesus may have lost sense of time, but but his disciples sure hadn't. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, we read this. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy some food for themselves. Sure, people's lives were being changed. People were being healed. The crowds, the men, the women, the boys, the girls, they all heard Jesus' teaching and amazing stuff was happening. But the disciples, they were spectators. Then Jesus says the ridiculous In verse 16, but Jesus said, that isn't necessary, you feed them. Who's got a mobile phone? Thaddeus, order some Uber Eats and see if they can get delivered. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary, you feed them. Boys, it's time to stop being spectators and start being investors. If you are my disciples, then you can't just sit on the sidelines waiting for the end of the show, frustrated that your dinner is being delayed because I spoke for too long. Stop being spectators and start being investors. What have you got? They look at each other to see what they can pull together. But, they are, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Great. That's a good start. Contribute that. Invest that with me. Then Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples. Okay, boys. Go and invest some more. Get amongst the crowd and get involved. Distribute the fish and the bread in these 12 baskets. Now, don't think that this is much of an investment on behalf of the disciples. How about we do some math for a moment? 12 disciples, 5,000 men, in addition to all the women and children. Now, for the non-accountants among us, 
the starting figure on the disciples. Now, if we carry the one divided by two, that's 416 people each that the disciples would have served. And that's just the men. Starting to get a picture of the level of investment for the disciples. No longer on the sidelines. They are giving up their dinner. They are investing in it with Jesus. Then they distribute it to 5,000 people. Boys, stop being spectators and start being investors. Oh, now that everyone's eaten, great, fantastic. Can we get you to go and clean it all up now? Any leftovers, bring it back. And they ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, in verse 20, it says, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. What did it take for 5,000 plus people to be fed that day? It took Jesus. Five loaves and two fish. And for spectators to become investors. And when people look to invest, it models to others what a life of a disciple can look like and how it can change and can bring about change in people's lives. You know, there is an undeniable connection between uh, what is important to you and what you invest in. Towards the start of Jesus' ministry, Matthew records Jesus speaking in chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Don't store up treasure here on earth, where moth eats them and rust destroy them, where the thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And followers took Jesus at his word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5, Paul writes this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They did more than we had hoped for. For their first action was to give of themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. You know, I've been a pastor for some 25 years and the one thing that I have seen time and time again is that, that people feel a deep and a rich sense of belonging to a spiritual home um, are rarely the ones that are sitting on the sidelines. Those that feel a deep sense of connection with Jesus are not the ones that just give Jesus lip service. Jesus doesn't want fans. If you want to be a fan, then follow a sporting code. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you a fan. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again, and his call is not for you to be a fan. Jesus calls for you to be a follower. Jesus doesn't want spectators. He wants people to be prepared to invest their time, their energy, to seeing miracles take place in people's lives. Just like a house becomes a home when those who live in it are prepared to invest their lives into the fabric of the home, the same goes for a spiritual home too. We are the body of Christ. We are his church. And Jesus wants us to step out of the stands where the fans sit and get into the game. To be a follower, to be moving from being a spectator and become an investor in what Jesus wants to do in the community where he has placed you. To make a difference in people's lives. To help them to live their lives well. To live the best lives possible as followers of Jesus too. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we are challenged by the thought of times that we can sit and be a spectator, that we can feel at times distant or removed from the things that happen in the kingdom of God because we, we want to play it safe. We want to stay on the sidelines. Lord, we can, we can celebrate, we can cheer, we can even sing about the good things that you do. But you call us not to be a fan. You call us to be followers. To follow your example. To give up ourselves for the cause of Christ. To give up of ourselves out of a desire to see the life of the world around us change because of what you have done, because of the good news of Jesus. Holy Spirit, continue to empower and to equip us for the call that Jesus has placed on our life to be followers of him. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's some practical things that we can do. One of them is, what chore or responsibility could you do in your home situation, in your work situation, um, whatever it might be, that needs to have a change of attitude? To see it as an investment in others. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. How can you rethink that chore as an investment and as a way to model to others what it means to be a follower of Jesus. How are you investing in your relationship with Jesus? Giving yourself to Jesus. Have you been playing it safe, being just a fan? Is it time to step up and be a follower? There's going to be some music played. And as the music's played, I encourage you to prayerfully consider how you might respond to what God is saying to you today. God bless you.
Thanks, David.